Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Welcome to the Untamed and Unashamed podcast. This is a place where together we can navigate through life's ups and downs with all of the vulnerability, compassion, and openness that we can muster. Along with the help of guests from all walks of life, we'll discover new truths while doing some unlearning, and we'll gain valuable tools for becoming who we already are while also uncovering our divine gifts. I'm Jade Bryce, and I'm so grateful that you're here. So today's guest is on a mission to unlock the world's radical confidence with her signature own your shit method, compassionate self-observation, confident ownership, and radical embodiment. This three-step blueprint uses neuro-linguistic programming, hypnosis, holistic psychology, the wisdom of trauma, story work, and primal play, allowing those who work with her to make soul-shifting transformations with ease, leaving them with the tools to ensure these changes last a lifetime. She was a business major at the University of Florida and was set to continue on the conveyor belt to what society dreamed happiness and success. She had the lucrative job offer, the amazing boyfriend, and her dream body, but she didn't have the unshakable confidence that she craved. As she learned to distinguish which stories, beliefs, and fears were blocking her capacity to be truly excited by life, she learned to take full responsibility over her habitual thoughts and patterns, and now she teaches her clients to do the same. She believes a radically confident person is someone who is present, grounded, in love with themselves, and connected with their intuition, their purpose, and their community. She teaches people how to turn off autopilot and turn on a fuck yes life. Please help me welcome Danielle Gertner to Untamed and Unashamed. I'm so happy to be here. So excited. 
Yeah, me too. I, I am, you know, I'm familiar with you. You're, you're from Austin as well. And I think we, we have a lot of the same mutual friends, um, same workout buddies, you know, and things like that. But, um, I'd love for you to just share a bit of your story because I'm not as familiar with that and what brought you to the woman and the work that you're doing today. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for, for asking. Um, Hello, everybody. Super Hi. excited to be here. As I told, uh, as I mentioned earlier, I'm calling in from Costa Rica. Uh, just finished a week long retreat here that I led, um, which was really beautiful and challenging. And just kind of backing up how I got to this place of leading these own your shit breakthrough retreats. I'm originally from South Florida. Born and raised Florida girl, the sun runs in my veins. Mm -hmm. And then I went to school at the University of Florida, Go Gators, where I spent uh, about eight years. And only about two years ago, I decided to take the leap and move to Austin, Texas, uh, where I, I now live. Um, and sort of the journey that I've been on to get to where I am, it really started in, in fitness. Uh, when I was in college, I was on a very fast track, I call it the conveyor belt of having the, you know, dream full-time job, working for Amazon, having the financial security. And I had a boyfriend of about five years at this time and the community and the, the, uh, I had started my business the month I graduated, but I was really, really, really unhappy inside. But here I was out in my community leading boot camps all over the place, training clients online and fitness, really helping men and women get the body of their dreams. And that was my ultimate goal at first was getting the body of my dreams. I wanted the strong ass arms and the fat ass and all the different <laughs> things. And the reality was I got that body, but the confidence and fulfillment that I was really looking for, which I didn't realize at the time, didn't come with it. And at first that shocked the shit out of me. It really sent me down a pretty dark spiral of like, well, what am I doing wrong? I followed all these steps and here, look at my checklist. Look at the things I've done. I graduated college and I have all the, you know, all the things that the, the world and society told me I should do. Um, yet I'm not happy. Mm -hmm. And to the outside world looking in, you'd be like, oh, she's so confident and she's got all her shit together. And I realized, man, if I'm feeling this way, I wonder how many of my clients are feeling the same that think that it's the body of their dreams that is going to get them that confidence and fulfillment. And um, it's so much deeper than that. And so I started, I'll put this in air quotes, the work, because what does that actually mean? It can mean so many things. Yeah. Um, I really started to uh, date myself for mm -hmm. the first time in my entire life and really get to know who I was, why I was the way I was. And through that process and through that unfolding and unlearning and relearning and remembering, um, I really discovered that I was really addicted to external validation. I, I recognized this, this really powerful and scary at the moment realization of, holy shit, I'm really, really attached to what people think of me. And every decision that I'm making is based off of, will I get the attention on my body, on my business, on who I am as a person? And the reality was I didn't have any connection with myself. I couldn't 
you know, really hold my own gaze in, in the mirror. And um, I knew that I had a choice. Either I continue living addicted to this external validation and just living my life and making my decisions based off of uh, off that fact, or I could do something about it. And I could really, really learn and discover the depths of who I am and rebuild. And so I chose to to rebuild. And in that process, you know, I, I think the saying goes, your business is an extension of you. And so as I started to do this inner work and this soul work and um, expand in that way, my programming changed and my offerings changed. And um, now I don't teach any fitness online at all. And it's all self-mastery work and mm. um, self-connection work. And it is a beautiful, very challenging gift. So little, little bit of a um, roundabout way to get here, but that's how I got to where I am as an ownership coach. Um, and I absolutely fucking love my job. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Yes. Amazing. I love that story. And I love how you turned it into uh, dating yourself. Mm. Um, and I'd love to hear about really what that looked like. What did it look like to date yourself? And then um, I know that there's also from from what I did know of your story from reading about you, um, you you did experience a lot of grief at a point in your story. And I would love so I'd love to hear first about what that looks like dating yourself. And because I think there's a lot of people who are in married where they're married and they never dated their self themselves and they can still, they can still make a point to do that because it's so healing. And so um, I'd love to hear that. And then also about how we can use grief as a compass uh, to a more honest life, which, which I know is, is a big part of your story. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, mm, I, I love this. So, so dating myself, I'll share what it started with for me was being radically honest and brutally honest sometimes mm -hmm. with where I was really at with my relationship to myself. Mm -hmm. If I were to, let's say, rate on a scale of one to 10, how connected I felt, I was really honest and I didn't sugarcoat what that answer was, even mm -hmm. if the answer really stung. Mm -hmm. um, and it did a lot of the times, you know, like how much self-trust do I have? The number was pretty low. How much self-assurance do I have? The number was pretty low. And what I've learned through that process and throughout, you know, this journey over the last, I would say about six years, and it is actually the first phase of my own your shit method is compassionate self-observation. How mm -hmm. do I observe myself through the lens of compassion? Because when I initially realized where I was, I wasn't compassionate. I was super judgmental. I felt a lot of shame. I felt a lot of anger with myself and my parents and society. Like, why the fuck would you tell me to do all these things? And then I get here and like all these gold stars and I still feel really empty inside. And so I think that's the first step is if you are feeling disconnected and and you're struggling with self-love and, and your relationship with yourself and you notice yourself judging how can you shift that judgment to compassion and love? Um, because that's where that's where the real work begins. We can't do and make change from a place of judgment and shame. It really happens from that place of love and acceptance. And then we can start to to make magic and, and to alchemize and to do all those those um, really beautiful things that come after when you make that initial decision of I'm going to change my relationship with myself. 
And so it started with, again, that realization, that brutal honesty. And then I started to recognize what things in my life and what people in my life aren't making me feel like a fuck, full body fuck yes. What are the things I'm doing that I'm just kind of moving through the motions? I'm living on autopilot. And I made a list. I made a list of the people and I made a list of the things that weren't really, really lighting me up inside. And that was scary too, because some of those things were things I'd been doing for a really long time. Mm-hmm. Like all these boot camps across uh, Gainesville, Florida at the time, which um, I think I mentioned this in my email. I know Bryn, and that's where I met Bryn is in Gainesville mm-hmm. uh, back in the day. Um, and yeah, I just made this 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 whole list. And so ultimately, it was a question of what are my distractions? Where am I distracting myself from connecting with myself? Mm-hmm. And then something really powerful I did, and I still do it to this day. I on my mirror, on my bathroom, and now I have a huge sliding mirror in my bedroom, in my closet, I wrote, I love you for dot, 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 I forgive you for dot, 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 and I trust you dot, dot, dot. And this is, uh, this was another mentor of mine who gave me this recommendation years ago. And let me tell you, it was hard as hell <laughs> to look at myself in the mirror and say those things. I had never told myself, I love you. I'd never told myself, I forgive you. And I sure as hell never told myself, I trust you. And there were many days where I would go to say the words and I would break down crying because I didn't believe them and I didn't trust in them. And I, um, these notifications on my slack I guess my team is awake um Mm. and uh yeah that that simple very very simple tangible action has completely changed my relationship with myself and my Mm self-talk and so that was one of the ways that dating myself started to begin again of of looking at myself in the eyes and looking at my body in the mirror and noticing how easy it was for me to go right to judgment, right to breaking myself down instead of building myself up. Um, and then I started to ask myself the question, you know, if I was the love of my life, which I am, how would I want to treat myself? What are some of the things that I would want, you know, a partner, let's say, to do? And how would I want a partner to treat me? Mm-hmm. And how do I give that to myself first? And as it, as it goes, it sure as hell didn't happen overnight. And uh, one of my favorite quotes, and I probably say this on every podcast I'm ever on, it's life is not a knowledge game, but a practice game. And I had, I had to commit to the practice of loving myself, trusting myself, forgiving myself and dating myself really for the last six years. Mm -hmm. Some days are easier than others, but um, it has been an incredible gift. Um, At least twice a week, I would say at this point, I do, I take myself on a date. I don't necessarily call it that, but I do something that is just for me, Mm -hmm. just for me. Nobody else is watching. And if they are, it doesn't matter. This is something like ecstatic dance is something that is, it's mine. Mm-hmm. It's mine and mine only. And so, um, and it's gotten a little bit easier over the years. And it it was hard as hell at first because we're building mm-hmm. these little pathways and we're um, stepping into, you know, pretty cold waters that maybe we hadn't before. And so that's a little bit what dating myself has looked like. 
Yeah, I love <clears throat> I love the list of what's not a fuck yes, because just hearing you say that, I can think of a few areas or things or people or you know habits in my life that are not a, a big fuck yes, but there are big parts of my life. And so I can think about, wow, that takes up a lot of space and it's not a fuck yes, or that takes up a lot of energy. What would that free up? You know, what, what energy and space would that free up for what is a fuck yes, you know? And, um, yeah, so that's, that's a really, I, that's, um, a beautiful thing to hear. And like you said, it's a bit scary to hear because it's like, it, it requires responsibility. Um, and then I love the part about, um, looking yourself in the eyes. I had on Caitlin Howe about a month ago and we talked about mirror work and, you know, there's a bunch of different ways you can do and use mirror work. But one thing that we talked about was actually looking in the mirror, looking in your eyes, like facing yourself, because it's crazy how a lot of times we look in the mirror just when we're getting ready or we're brushing our teeth or whatever. It's a very quick exchange. But if you really sit and stare into your eyes, a lot will come up. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and one of my practices is actually doing a breast massage and, and saying affirmations to myself while I do mirror work. And you'd be surprised how emotional and um, intimate that is with self. Mm-hmm. And uh, then the last thing I wanted to add was that, you know, you the type of partner that you described that you were to yourself, a lot of us don't know how to be that type of partner to another because we never partnered ourselves. And so all of these things that you listed, we don't even know how to give to someone. We don't even know how to be that compassionate space holder. We don't know how to um, not jump into that judgmental habit way of thinking because we've never given it to ourselves. And how can we give it to ourselves if we've never learned it? You know, I mean, how how can we give it to another if we've never learned it? So, and who better to learn it with than ourselves, you know? So, so I love all of that. And then I'd love, I'd love to hear about the grief piece about how um, grief can be a compass. Totally. I, I'm going to just respond really quickly and, and then, and would love to, to share the grief piece because it's played such a powerful role in that deepening of the connection to the self. Mm-hmm. Um, my sister shared this quote with me once and it stuck with me forever is um, people can only meet you where they've been willing to meet themselves first. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, again, in my own journey of recognizing this addiction to how the world saw me, what I was really, it was just a calling and a screaming out and a cry out for me to see me and Mm -hmm. for me to validate me and for me to love me. And um, it is, it is one of the most challenging yet liberating journeys, I think, of life is to um, truly be your own best friend and your biggest cheerleader. And I know that uh, is pretty cliche, but it's an incredible gift because what I experienced this last week on the retreat was like shit really hit the fan on retreat, mm-hmm. um, which I don't know if people talk about a lot when they leave retreats, everyone's oh like, God, oh, yeah, amazing. And you're in Costa Rica and like, Oh my God, nothing could have gone wrong behind the scenes. 
oh my God, it was a, in a lot of ways, a shit show. Um, and if I'm so grateful, I was sharing this with a friend last night. I'm so grateful for the work that I've done on myself and the connection I have to myself because I had to be my biggest cheerleader this week. I had nobody else, you know, in the middle of the jungle to do that. And so, um, yeah, meet yourself where you desire other people to meet you. And if you can truly meet yourself there, you will find just out of the woodworks, people are all of a sudden meeting you where, where, where you've always wanted them to. Yeah, um, and um, that also just want to add really quick. It also helps you to take it less personal when, you know, I've had so many relationships where I wanted to go really deep and there's just this wall that we would hit in our intimacy or, you know, there was like, I wanted this, this level of depth in our conversations and it's just, there was this wall and it, it's also, you take it less personal with that quote, because it's not that they're putting a wall up towards you. They haven't, they may have not gone that deep with themselves. And it's not, like you said, they can't do it with you unless they've done it with themselves. And so um, I, I want to bring that level of depth to my friendships and to my relationships. And um, that also gives me more of um, an encouragement to even go deeper with myself because I want my friends to experience that with me. I want my relationships to experience that with me. And I know that at times that can probably even seem a bit intimidating because when you, like I do, I'm in the work every single day, every day. I have like one day a week where I let myself binge watch like Grace and Frankie or something. (laughs) But even then there's like, it's not an autopilot day, you know? Mm. And it can feel intimidating because it can feel like um, when you really think about it, like there's almost less people you can you can go deep with. And, you know, if you like go to that that level, but at the same time, there's so much more richness there, Mm. you know, and not to say that that those who don't do this type of work, you can't connect with. But um, there's this like once you've gone to this like. Um, depth with yourself there's the craving of that in your relationships you know there's there's a need for it totally uh I love that you I love that you shared that and I think you know for me like society taught me wrong or I received it wrong growing up and I think I love my parents but I think I I they missed the mark on you know spread yourself wide have as many friends as possible, do as many things as possible. And yeah, that feels really fucking good for the ego, but where are the roots? Mm-hmm. Where is the depth? And, you know, back at that time, I looked around me and I, again, I had the community. I'd started my business and it was crushing it. And, you know, again, the boyfriend, I had all these, this spread, right? Like I was all over Gainesville, but there was no depth. And, mm-hmm. I think our our souls knowing is depth and love mm-hmm. and and super intimate connection and when we start to peel back those layers like paper mache mm-hmm. we get to the root of who we really are which is love and then we want to share that with everybody mm-hmm. and this is actually a really beautiful segue into grief because um uh I lost my brother uh, my older brother last April um, April 28th, 2021 to an accidental drug overdose. And, um, I mean, as you can imagine, it rocked me, it rocked my fucking world. And I have noticed 
since then this, I don't know if the right word is like impatience or like lack of tolerance. It is a lack of tolerance for like surface level kind of just like surface level um, conversations and, and mm-hmm. relationships. I don't have the time, space or energy for it. Mm-hmm. I don't desire it anymore. And it's been really interesting to watch that show up in my life and watch how that shifted a lot of the relationships and the things that I was doing in my life that were surface level. Because even if I tried to continue doing those things, everything in my body was like, fuck no, we are done with again, we're done with living for other people. We're done with not, you know, doing anything that's not a fuck yes. And when we talk about using grief as a compass, this was uh, by far the the heaviest, most expansive grief I've ever experienced. But what it opened me up to was how much other grief we experience in our day-to-day lives. Grieving, you know, whether it's an old job or a friendship or an old version of yourself and using that pain of that grief because there is so much wisdom under why I am grieving this thing. Mm-hmm. Why was I so attached? Why did I have such a tight grip on whatever it is that that I was um, that that I'm grieving, and when I can stay curious, right, that lens of compassion, self observation. When I can stay curious about why I'm experiencing the grief, I can really start to see what some of my deeply rooted beliefs are and attachments are, and. Um, you know, specifically with my brother, his name was Zachary, Um, but specifically with losing him, um, I had, I had a choice. I could let the grief paralyze me and it did for a while. Um, I didn't want to do anything, be around anybody. And um, it was really hard because that's very out of my nature. Um, Or I could choose to let it fuel me and turn that pain into purpose. And and so I did, and it has given me such a powerful gift of deepening my why and really understanding and challenging myself. Why the fuck are you doing that thing? Why do you do what you do every day? Why do you show up as this version of you? Because it's, people have always said this who have lost somebody important to them. They're like, you'll never understand until it actually happens to you. And Mm -hmm. it's true. You don't truly understand until it actually happens to you. Um, All of the things that you realize. And one of the biggest things that you realize is look at the end of the day, when we transition, whatever you believe happens, all of this shit here does not come with you. Mm -hmm. It doesn't. Not the money, not the car, not none of this that we're working for, that I was working for, of like, look at my big fancy, this thing that I did today. None of it matters. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I I say this not as to, to be harsh or somber, but it's to share a really, it's a truth of life, a truth yeah. of life. I think so many of us want to avoid at all costs. We don't want to talk about it. We don't want to believe it. We don't want to feel into it, but it's going to come knocking on our door one day or another, that is the, I think of the quote, I think this is from National Treasure, the debt that all men pay is death, no matter who you are. And unfortunately, so many people are already dead living 
They, they kill themselves living, doing shit that they don't really care about. That they're not really passionate about. They're chasing the shoulds and the coulds and the woods. And grief woke me the fuck up. It yeah. really woke me up to you need to get really clear on why you're doing what you're doing. And when you leave this earth, what is it that you truly want to leave behind? And is what you are doing right now and who you are being right now allowing you to leave that thing behind? And this is my work of inspiring people to own their shit and to live a fuck yes life. And mm -hmm. if what I'm doing is not aligned with that, I'm wasting my time and I'm wasting my energy and I'm wasting the gift that was given to me by God or divine, whatever it is that you want to want to believe. Um, yeah. yeah. So once we hit this, um, this place where we wake up to that, <clears throat> whether it's through grief or through um, experiencing, you know, this like depression of, <clears throat> sorry, I'm losing my voice today for some reason, a depression of uh, something's not right. Something's missing. Once we hit this place where we know we, we want to shift. Um, we want to take responsibility. We want to um, live a fuck yes life. How would we use the own your shit method? I know you have three steps. Yeah. Oh, such a great question. Thank you for mm -hmm. asking. Um, so once we realize this, so that's step one, right? Compassionate self-observation. Mm -hmm. I like to say, pull your curiosity glasses out. Be the scientist of your life here. If you notice, and we, this is where the depressive state comes from, is the shame cycle of like, well, fuck, I, I'm not happy with where I am. And like, I suck because of that. And I did all these things and, and we start to spiral down. So if you notice that judgment, you notice that spiral, take a breath honor the version of you, the inner critic that is going through that shame cycle and remember your power of choice to think and show up differently to, you can still feel shame and love. Mm -hmm. You can still feel shame and empowerment. Mm -hmm. I'm a believer that it's not one or the other, that we exist on a beautiful spectrum and Really, it's more like a tornado and it's all the things at once. And so if we're you're you're in that space, it's how do I get excited that I realize this? Because the fact that you've realized it is fucking dope yeah. and really cool. Mm -hmm. And you just gave yourself the opportunity to do something about it. Recognizing, like, wow, there is so much empowerment in this awareness that I just created. So that's step one, that compassionate self-observation. Once you've shifted to this place of compassion for where you are, you can step into phase two, which is confident ownership. So this is the radical responsibility, take the fucking pen back, what am I gonna do differently than what I have done in the past? Mm -hmm. What am I gonna do differently than what I've done in the past? And and 
1% action is the name of the game here. Small steps. We don't need to go zero to 100 of, well, I recognize I'm not happy with my job. Maybe the answer is to quit your job tomorrow, or maybe the answer is to start exploring, you know, what your other potential options and, and passions could be. And only you can really decide what that next step is. But I really love one of my favorite authors is James Clear. Uh, he wrote the book Atomic Habits, and he talks about, I mean, atomic ha atomic habits in a, at an atomic level. This is where the most powerful shifts occur. And so um, if I now have that compassion, I can ask myself, okay, well, where can I take more ownership over my life? And what is the easiest way for me to do that? Because I think oftentimes we get so caught up in, well, I want to get from A to B and B feels like a 20 million miles away. And I get so oftentimes overwhelmed by all of the different steps. I know that it's going to take me to get there. But if I could just focus on the 1% action, maybe it's not being on my phone for one hour less a day. Maybe it's for me, it's barefoot, a barefoot walk a day is a non motherfucking negotiable. <laughs> I am a barefoot walker through and through catch me in these Austin streets, walking barefoot. Um, what is a 1% action you can take? And that's where we start to get into confident ownership. And then the last phase of the of the method is radical embodiment, learning to begin to live life through the lens of the body to show up as a different version of yourself. I think the saying goes, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. If we want to be a different version of ourselves, we have to do something different than the way we've always done it. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be anything drastic. You don't have to go cut all your hair off or get a tattoo or anything like that. It could be something really small. And so breaking this down and knowing that as I start to work through this method, and I did it a lot on the retreat, I walked myself through this method, you start to build momentum, you know, showing up for yourself and owning your shit is a muscle just like going to the gym and, you know, doing your squats. It is a muscle that you have to strengthen over time. And I'll go back to that quote, life is not a knowledge game. It is a practice game. Mm -hmm. And when you sign up for this work, you make the energetic, you sign the energetic contract to do this work, this soul work, you are signing up to show up for class every fucking day for the rest of your life. There is no graduation. <laughs> mm -hmm. You're learning every day. It's no secret that shame, free sex and pleasure are powerful avenues to deeper connections and an overall sense of well-being and accessible expertly designed toys can play a big part in getting you there and making you feel more alive. Dame is leading a sexual wellness revolution as a women powered resource for game changing pleasure products and supportive content started by a sex educator and an engineering Liz. Dame develops her products based on research and feedback from people like you. They're making better sexual experiences and more pleasure available to all. Dame's easy-to-use toys and accessories are made with body-safe, doctor-approved materials and smart design principles, and they've earned glowing praise from the New York Times, the Today Show, and many more including me. Whether you're looking to shake things up with your partner or upgrade your self-care routine, they've got something for every nightstand. 
Even better, Dame offers three-year warranties and hassle-free returns within 60 days, so your satisfaction is literally guaranteed. And I will guarantee you satisfaction because I use their products myself. They're amazing. My favorite one is their suction toy. I call it the clit sucker, but it's uh, spelled A-E-R. It's called air it's a powerful arousal tool for fans of oral stimulation it creates thrilling pulses of air and a soft seal around your clitoris so you can go all the way right away guys i have like eight to ten orgasms almost every time i use it i use it during sex and in my own pleasure practice you will not be disappointed they're also sending me a bunch of their other products so i'll keep you updated but as of right now this one's my favorite and i highly recommend it Go to dameproducts.com and use code JADE today for 15% off your order with Dame. Now on with the show. Yeah, I love that. And I love that you started it out with um, compassion and, and gratitude because it is so key that we are thankful for those things that are showing up Um because it means that they're ready to be loved. It means that we're at a place where we can hold them and accept them. And that's so important because it's so important that we do this whole process out of love and not out of um, almost like a place of self-hatred in a way of like, I'm not good enough. I need to fix myself. I have to change this. And and instead from a place of of love and acceptance and and gratitude, because it makes all the difference in not only the process itself, but in the outcome, um, because that's where true transformation comes from is from love, not from just this fix it mentality. And, um, and yeah, the, the, the pendulation of, um, I can feel shame, I can feel the shame and I can also feel the gratitude because that's where we actually rewire is going from the shame to the gratitude or the shame to the love. Um, because that's where we build a new, network and then our brain knows oh i have a choice i don't have to stay with the shame i can go to the the gratitude or the love and and it's also you know so many of us like we tend to think that we just want an easy life full of love but really like to be fully alive is to feel everything and that's what we're really here for is to be alive you know, and so um, once we can really like, like snap out of that thought of like, I just want everything to be easy. And I just want to experience love and realize mm-hmm. that, like, even in, um, even in unconditional love, if we hadn't experienced conditions, we wouldn't be able to experience unconditional love, you know, so like, to realize that it's all a spectrum that we're here to, to um, witness and feel is like, that's when we're that's when we're really alive, you know? So, so I love that. I love how you entered it. And um, speaking of loving ourselves and self-love, I'd love, uh, you spoke about how to do that through, um, even in the process of receiving feedback. And that I'm, I just saw it yesterday or, or the day before, and it really hit home for me because um, I'm in my sister's group. There's only four of us, but we have a very, um, very transparent, honest relationship, the four of us with each other. And um, it is the most intimate relationship, one of the most intimate relationships I've ever experienced, because in the midst of all that, 
I truly know that everyone in the group wants my highest good and um, is also going to hold me to that, you know, because they love me so much. And, you know, something was spoken at our last group about empathic listening, about how when we're listening to each other, we need to really be listening and not thinking about what we're going to say next. And um, to also just have that sacred pause when someone finishes to pause and not be like, oh, yeah, da, 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 which can be um, so like when well, before I go into that next part, when when um, one of the women in the group spoke that she didn't even say who it was about. She just said it like, hey, let's, I'd love for us to all work on this in our communication when we're here holding space for each other. And oh my God, my shame had a fucking field day. Uh, I didn't go straight to the empathic listening of what, what she was saying next. My shame took off and was like, everybody knows this is about you. And like, you need to just be quiet because you don't know how to, you don't know how to communicate. Like, what were you thinking? Joining the sisters group of these enlightened women, you know, like just totally for like probably five minutes was just like beating me up. And like, you've never learned how to not interrupt and like all these things. And like, and I'm also, I'm on the spectrum. And so there's this, there was also this, like, you don't even have the ability. You don't have the ability, you know, because mm. your mind, your mind goes a hundred different places and no one else is going to understand this about you. So just leave, you know, like just all over the place. And also this feeling of, um, of, oh, I, I you know, I, I'm not even like, there was just so much shame. And then I had to keep telling myself she's doing this out of love so that we can all deepen our relationships. But it really, it wasn't even about her. It was about myself. It was about my own shame. And then I, the next day I did some inner child work and it like totally came up that my little girl that went to 18 different schools that was always trying to find her place of belonging that was always trying to find her place in the group of of other women uh was just still trying to prove herself and still had anxiety around even in my like my closest relationships still had anxiety around uh just speaking because yeah. of being on the spectrum I always felt this like disconnect of, of how I speak or how I listen. And I was still trying to like find my way through that, even in this relationship. And so it provided me with so much opportunity of doing inner child work, but in the process, uh, there was so much shame and it was so hard, even though like, it wasn't even like direct feedback. Oh my God. It just, for two days, it was like, just self like even to the point of like, just get out of there, get out of that relationship. Like because they, they've seen you for who you are for this awful listener and communicator. And so, um, you know, and, and then there was the accountability of like, like letting them all know, Hey, I am so thankful, um, for this loving boundary that was set for us. And I noticed that through that, um, my inner child is still trying to sabotage and my inner child is still the one trying to run the show in my communication. Thank you for your patience as I work through this. It's not going to be quick, but I'm working on it. And uh, just like giving myself that accountability as well. Um, but yeah, I would love to hear, I would love to hear what you have to say about 
loving yourself through feedback because that was a big, <laughs> that was a big uh, journey for me in this last week. Yeah, I really, really, really appreciate that share um, because it's just a testament, like no matter how long you've been doing the work, no matter how woke you are or enlightened you are, like we don't escape our humanness. It gets a little bit easier. Um, We are able to recognize patterns more easily and and able to navigate them, I think, a little bit better. But the humanness is still there. And, And the same goes for being in Costa Rica, right? I think oftentimes we have this idea of like, oh, my God, I'm just going to run away to Costa Rica. I'm going to run away to, you know, Fiji or Bali or whatever it is. And the reality is like really, really honoring your, your humanness and the gifts that your humanness gives you. You said something so beautifully earlier, like this is an opportunity to feel your aliveness. And I think I'm the the first person to say, I think I had this idea of like, oh, if I do this inner work, like I'm going to be so healed and happy and everything is going to be rainbows and butterflies. And this week was a big reminder of that is not the goal. The goal is to feel everything and to love it all equally. Mm-hmm. That is my that is my goal and mission, and including feedback, um, whether it's feedback from somebody that you love or or uh, somebody around you, or whether it's feedback from life. And that was a big uh, that was very present for me, loving loving through the feedback. And um, so last week I sat with ayahuasca for my technically my third and fourth time because it's a two night ceremony. Um, and one of the biggest, loudest messages and, and lessons of that experience last week was let the fuck go. <laughs> like there was one moment that I, I really, really had to purge and I was fighting it at all costs again because I had this image and expectation of what this experience was going to be like. And I was so wrapped around that experience. It was running through me that when it wasn't unfolding in that way, I was so disappointed and I was so upset and I was so locked in on what did I do wrong um, instead of just surrendering to what is and what is actually present and what's present in my body and what are the opportunities and gifts here um, that are pushing me outside my comfort zone. And so when I get feedback, um, I still get stung by feedback, even what you just shared of being like jumping in and responding. I have always historically uh, feel like had a hard time deep listening um, because I've always had so much that I've wanted to share and, and say back and, and respond. And so even when you were sharing that, like I got a little triggered of like, oh shit, am I, am I jumping too quickly into my responses? And so I think honoring, um, honoring when the feedback triggers you, because I believe that when you are triggered, there's a gift there. There is an opportunity there. There is power in, in the trigger. And, um, and when I give myself the opportunity to lean into that of, okay, why is this feedback particularly triggering? Again, here comes my power of choice. Here comes me giving myself the opportunity to grow deeply into something that feels a little bit uncomfortable. And so again, it's that perspective shift that I have the opportunity to have, which is okay, this is something that is particularly challenging. Let me sit with why it's so particularly challenging to me. 
And mm-hmm. so um, how do I love myself through that that feedback? One is really honoring what is and what shows up. If something is somebody says something and I can feel it, I call it ouch. I'll be like, ugh, ouch, okay. And I'll explore that ouch. I'll explore what is it that that's it's particularly poking. And again, I can feel grief, sadness, uh, anger through the lens of love. And that's my choice. And I can feed, I can receive feedback and it can be particularly challenging feedback and triggering feedback. And I can still choose to receive it with love and love in my heart go there is how do I make love from this thing that might be a little bit painful and a little sticky. And so I make love with it and to it and for it and yeah, feedback can be a really beautiful thing. Yeah, and Powerful. I think what's key in it, um, I just did it. I just spoke like right when you're done. <laughs> um, I think what's key in the um, feedback is even in the midst of all of those uncomfortable emotions, even in the midst of the shame spiral or whatever it is, um, that you keep an open heart. Because I think that's what makes all the difference in this particular friendship with these women is that even when there's something uncomfortable, even when they tell me something that um, they don't feel is is working for me or for them or, or whatever the scenario is, we keep an open heart because it's when you close your heart that the process stops, you know, and, you shut, and then you also the portal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You shut the portal. And then also the part about compassion, because if I had just seen, oh, my inner child's running my communication, and then I just kind of like scolded her the way that like maybe a parent sometimes scolds their children without looking at the heart of it. What I really saw also was that my inner child is so excited to finally have women that she can be herself around. And so she's, it's really, it's a lot of excitement. Like you said in the conversation, like you jump to talk because you're excited to share. She's just so excited that she has people that she can be seen by also. So really accepting her and then also setting those loving boundaries, you know, like, Hey, this isn't the, this isn't um, the best way to allow other people to be seen though as well, you know, and like really talking to her about that. And then, I also thought about in the midst of all that, um, I took a, a Maddie Moon course oh, maybe a year ago, and she was talking about the way we communicate. And um, she said something that really stuck with me that I, I have not mastered, but that just is so beautiful. And it's the, when, you're, when you're in your queen, when you're in your queendom and when you're you're embodying your queen, you're not worried about getting to say what you need to say because a queen knows that what needs to be said will be said. So she's not interrupting. She's not talking really fast. She just knows as her queen that what's meant to be said will get to be said. And I, I loved that. And it just, it really, it like kind of like even changed my posture. I felt when I heard it. Mm. And so that's something that like in this feedback that I really felt like I could, 
I could accept and honor my inner child for her excitement. And then I could give my power to that inner queen that, um, knows she can speak from this place, you know, and it's, it's not a snap of the fingers. It's a couple of times of, of speaking to this inner child and then giving the key to the queen. But, um, yeah. So I love, I love what you just said, uh, a couple things I, I just love that you just did and, and, and represented, which was such a beautiful honoring of all parts of yourself, this mm-hmm. inner child that shows up, maybe it's the inner critic that shows up. And again, I think what is so important in owning your shit and, and just living a fulfilled life is not denying any part of yourself, not um, casting out any part of yourself. And then I love that you also said, I gave the queen of the key. So you used your power of choice to see all parts of yourself and consciously presently decide this is who I want in the driver's seat right now. Mm -hmm. This is who I'm going to give my energy and my power to. And it doesn't mean I'm going to deny and ignore and shame the inner child. No, she's still at the table. She is still at the table and as she deserves to be. Mm -hmm. Um, But right now this is, this is an opportunity for my queen to step up. And so I just, I really, really appreciate you representing that in that example. Cause I think that's so, so powerful, so powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of times when we look at who, who is running the show and our relationships or whatever area of our lives, honestly, sometimes when we ask, most of the time, when we ask that inner child, like, Hey, do you want to be in charge of my communication? Their answer is no, like, no, it's exhausting. Like they want to give up the, you know, they just, they also though want to know that they belong. And so when we can give them another, another role, um, like our creativity or our play or whatever it is. Um, so I know we're coming to an, to um, to a close soon. I have two more uh, topics that I'd love to talk about with you and, and then do the lightning round of the show uh, to end the show. And the first one is how to own our money mindset. Um, I think right now it's really popular or it's becoming really um, popular to like look at our money mindset and to look at, um, you know, the law of attraction has been around for a while, but I feel like right now we're, we're taking a different shift on, um, money mindset and, and, uh, prosperity. So I'd love to hear your take on it. Ooh, okay. This is a good one and a very sensitive one for me because I, uh, like most things, my beliefs were borrowed, uh, I like to say, or and adopted from my parents and what they modeled in the world. And what they modeled yeah. in the world was a lot of money fear and a lot of mm-hmm. money anxiety, even to this day. Um, and so my my relationship with money has historically been of fear and anxiety and avoidance and it's evil and it's out to get me and there's no mm-hmm. way going to make enough of it to actually be happy and be able to do all the things that I'm able to do. And like, this is, this is a direct, um, this is an extension of the relationship you have with yourself, because Mm -hmm. that is all money is, is another relationship of a different aspect of yourself and your trust in your capabilities and your trust in um, your divine wisdom and power. And so 
with money, I think, first of all, I used to write a lot of letters. Uh, personification has really helped me build stronger connections with myself. And so I have personified money many times and written letters to money as if they were a friend of mine that I just, I kept bumping heads with. Like, I really yeah. love love you but you trigger me and you know you bring me a lot of anxiety the way you talk to me and so this is how the relationship started out of me just expressing like oh I really just want to love you and I'm really struggling to and then I started to explore well what do I want my relationship with money to be like and um, I, for me, education is power. And I'm still, I have not mastered this yet either. I'm in the process of always expanding my knowledge on money and what it can do for me and how I can learn new ways to work with it and, and how it can support me in the, the life that I want to live. And then vice versa, how can I support money in, in its adventure and journey and in running our world? And, and so I started to explore, well, what do I want my relationship to money to be? with money to be because I was very clear on what I didn't want it to be mm -hmm. and and so I sat with this for a while of like okay well how do I want to feel when money comes into my life how do I want to feel when money goes out and I spend money and so I started doing these little mantras. Um, I don't do it as like disciplined as I used to when I first started, but anytime I would spend money swiped, I would just do a little moment of um, so grateful that I have to spend, spend this money, or I'm so grateful for where this money is going to go right now and, and how it's going to be able to come back to me. And so again, like self-talk and, and what is the language I'm a, I love neurolinguistic programming. I'm an NLP practitioner and, and, I love and continue to fall more in love with the power of language and also body language, not just verbal language, but the nonverbal cues. Like I, I remember going to the grocery store. Whenever I'd go to the grocery store with my dad, I would be so tense. And mm. as soon as we would get up, up to the checkout and I would see how much money he was spending on food for the family, I was so tense and uncomfortable. And I noticed like, even when I would go out with like, partners of mine or friends of mine and maybe they offered to pay how tense I would get around how much the bill costs and I decided like noticing that tension like I don't want to feel tense when I'm spending money or anybody else is spending money because I recognize that that is a freedom and a choice and so let me like soften my shoulders and soften yeah. my heart as we were talking about earlier and allow this exchange to happen freely yeah. I don't have the grips so tight leads to it. And um, this is a work in progress. I posted this on my Instagram a couple weeks ago. I have a little money mantra that I say now anytime the money fear starts to creep into my brain, which is uh, grateful for the money that comes to me with ease, grateful for the money that flows like the breeze. And I'll say it to mm -hmm. myself over and over and over again until that tension or that anxiety that I'm feeling dissipates and I change my state and I get back into that place of gratitude and and self-trust because I think that was also a root of my money um, disconnect was I didn't trust myself to be able to make money whenever and wherever and the reality is is like we can make money whenever wherever there are bazillions of ways to go out and make money and make more money and I think I get very stuck in like oh it's got to be this program launch or it's got to be mm -hmm. this thing that I'm doing that has to be the all of the money in the world. And the reality is, is like, it doesn't. 
I can be really creative and flexible. And so um, I don't know if that actually answered your question, but those are some of the ways that that have really helped me with my money mindset and and softening to money is energy. And I used to really fucking hate when people said that to me. And mm-hmm. I hated it because I didn't understand how to change the energy that I had and was existing with money. And now I do a little bit better and I'm learning every day. It's definitely not perfect for sure. Yeah. And, um, I love the, when you, when you spend money, um, feeling gratitude, I know something that I, when I'm like, even if it's a car, not not a car payment, let's see what's a better example, just anything that like is taxes, you know, like anything that's like obligatory. I I like to also picture who the money's going towards that somehow it's like reaching someone that's in need of that money and providing for their family. And, uh, just like also thinking about my money as a river and not a reservoir, like it's going to, it's going to flow to those in need and it's going to flow back. It's more money's also going to flow to me and it's just going to continue to be a river. It's it like, I don't have to hold on tightly to it. It's, it's a river. And and also, um, you know, I can think about, you brought up people paying for you at dinner. I can think about um, my friend uh, in my sister's group who has a lot of money always flowing to her. And she is the most generous person. She's not a millionaire, but you'd think she was because she is so generous. Same with my best friends, Kyle and Tasha. Like he, he gifted me um, a large amount of money for Christmas. And I was like, this is too much. And he was like, whatever, I'm fucking rich, but he's not a millionaire. They just, they act like it, but they, it is so easy to receive from them because they are so joyful to give, like they're joyful to give. And whereas I've been in a relationship with someone where, um, when we go out to eat, it is a fraction of what it it would be a fraction of what those people had given me or taken, you know, gifted me. But it was this like, when the bill would come, there was this tense feeling of, and I knew it it was because it was stressful for them. But there was this feeling of like, okay, well, we're not going to go out to eat again for a while. And like, they would say that verbally out loud to where I would feel so bad that they were gifting me. And that person, I never saw them um, in a place of financial abundance. I never saw them in a place of um, relief in that area of their life. And so it is, it's so much energy of not only what your, what the exchange is, how you're giving and receiving, but like the energy of your body and your language when you're doing it, you know? And so there's a lot, you know, there's a lot to that um, as well. And uh, there was one more thing I was going to say about money. Um, Yeah, I I guess it wasn't meant to be said because I don't remember it. But um, but yeah, I love I, I love I forward to when it comes back to you if it if the idea or the thought comes back to you, I look forward to hearing it. Yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, the, I I um I love the idea too of writing money a letter as if it's a friend, um, because it is it is energy and that that is a lot of a lot of people don't 
think of it that way or they don't grasp it as as energy and it is it's just something that we apply value to so if we can if we can develop that relationship with it and change that relationship with it just try it just try it and see what it feels like you don't have to fully grasp it yet just try it Exactly. Throw the spaghetti at the wall and see. I love what you shared of envisioning where the money will go. And like, it's almost like playing a fun little game of building this story of all the places the money could travel. It's like sisterhood of the traveling pants, but you know, sisterhood of the money and like, man, I wonder if it's going to end up in this person's home and this, then they're going to be able to build this thing that they've always wanted to build and just having fun uh, with it. And I think, you know, this just coming back to whether it's money or the self-love journey, like, can you have fun with this work? I think oftentimes it can be really heavy. It can be really overwhelming, but it doesn't always have to be. Um, remembering that uh, that I can choose to have fun through this process, that it doesn't have to be so heavy and torturous if I don't want it to. So I just really love the idea of thinking about where the money could go and having fun with where that story could take you. Yeah. And I, I, I just remembered what it was. So uh, Maddie Moon had just recently posted a story about how when she's traveling in places where you could normally haggle for items that you're purchasing, but she does not do that because you're not only telling the universe that you can't afford this, but also that this person isn't deserving of the value that they placed on their good or their whatever they're selling, whatever they created, because typically you're buying from the person that made it too. And that she just, she, she pays them exactly what they valued it at as a gift to them and as a gift to herself. And so, and I loved that because there's like the thought of haggling, if you think about it, it's actually kind of degrading to both you and the other person, um, haggling the value of, of whatever it is that they're selling. So, yeah, that was the, that was the thought that, that had lost. So thought it came back. Yeah. So the last um, thing that I'd love to discuss with you before the lightning round is how jealousy can be used as a superpower. Oh, boy. Oh, man. So many ways. Um, I love this topic because jealousy was like definitely one of my biggest shadows, Um, something that I really hated about myself for a long time that I was a and it wasn't jealousy in my intimate relationships. Like when I had a boyfriend, it was jealousy with my friendships, jealousy specifically with my girlfriends to being in Austin. I'm around more powerful women than I've ever been around in my entire yeah. life. And again, this goes back to what we talked about, like the, the universe and people giving you feedback and how do you love through that feedback? Um, this is another thing that you have the power of choice because jealousy can be, they call it the green monster for a reason, right? Jealousy can be really poisonous. At least it, it was for me in a lot of ways. And it was also it had a lot to do with how I was raised. My mama always told me like, you are going to be the best in the room. I want you to bring home that win. I have been a student government president and cheerleading captain and leadership of everything since I was like in first grade. And so this is very ingrained in me that this idea that it's, it's either me or no one. And it's mm-hmm. damn sure going to be me. And um, I really struggled to love this part of myself for a long time. And 
when I started to realize like there is so much under the jealousy. I like to call jealousy a mask emotion because when I really sit with why I'm feeling jealous, I'm not really jealous at all. I'm usually fearful. I'm scared mm -hmm. of something. Mm -hmm. so I'm scared of losing something. I'm scared of losing someone. Um, and I'm scared of losing myself. And so when I can almost like sink below, I think the image that's coming to my head is me like sinking to the bottom of a pool. When I can sink below the jealousy and I can zoom out and view it from a different perspective, what actually is triggering me here? Because it's not the beautiful woman sitting across from me who is, um, you know, has the great podcast, which I shared this with you when I first heard about the podcast, there was a little bit of jealousy, like, oh my God, like, look at this, this stuff that she's doing. And um, I'm either I'm fearful, or you're showing me a part of myself, I am maybe afraid or hesitant to tap into. Mm. So when I when I now feel jealousy, I welcome her in. Um, I was talking to a friend about this the other day, whether it's the jealousy or whatever, like opening the door instead of keeping her locked out, like, come here, girl, come sit on my couch for a while. Like, let's snuggle up. Let's have a conversation. Let's understand what it is that my inner child really needs and is looking for right now. Yeah. Maybe it's validation, maybe it's safety. And when I've viewed it from that perspective, it's giving me so many gifts again of knowing myself more deeply when I feel jealous of my friend who got this opportunity, I'm thinking of somebody very specifically, one of my best friends, when we first met, she was one of my first really, really close friendships. I felt a lot of jealousy. We're really similar. We, we want to go after the same things in life. And she had gotten this opportunity to work with, um, I think it was Under Armour. And I was really jealous. I had a really hard time celebrating her. And this was at the time where I was learning like, okay, this can be really beautiful. What is it that's really bothering you? And when I sunk, sat with it and I sunk to the bottom of the pool, I realized that what I was feeling wasn't jealousy, but a fear of being left behind. And then I was able to verbalize this to her of like, hey, I am having a hard time celebrating this success and this win of yours. And I know that's not your work to help me celebrate you, but I realized something pretty profound is that I feel fear of being left behind. And what I'm really desiring right now is some validation that you're not going to leave me behind no matter where you go in life. And what did she do? She gave me that validation and mm. all of that fear and all of that jealousy dissipated because it wasn't actually jealousy at all. Mm. It was fear. And so how we get to turn that jealousy into a superpower is using it as a tool to get to know a deeper part of ourselves. And again, it's, it's this kind of comes full circle to what we were talking about in the beginning of the conversation. It's shifting from feeling shame around that jealousy to getting curious about that jealousy and to using, to use it uh, with compassion and with love to become a more whole version of myself. Yeah, that's beautiful. I feel like um, I'm on the opposite side of the same coin where the mm -hmm. root is still fear, but I, I have, I don't know why, but I've never struggled with jealousy. I've always instantly gone to the celebration, but in the celebration, there's also this like, well, that's for them, you know, like, like, it's like, um, like something I can't have. 
And it's not a feeling of jealousy, but a feeling of like, um, and I'm, I'm glad that I can celebrate, but there's this like, so I'll give an example. Um, you know, I've brought up Maddie Moon a couple of times. So Maddie Moon and Ashe Sundara, two powerhouse queens that are just bought multi-million dollar homes here in Austin. And they're in their upper twenties and they're successful coaches. I adore them and I celebrate them. They're the first women in their lineage to ever buy a home on their own. And like, when I see that, I want to tell everyone about it because it's so awesome. And I like celebrate it. And there's no, I don't feel any jealousy, but there's this like, well, that's for them. That's not something I can do. Mm. And so it's, it's the same coin though. It's just the other side. And so um, instead I need, I, I would like to strive to, or I would like to move into a, they're showing me what can be done. They're showing me what I can do. You I, know? Gonna, I wonder like how much of that is tied to either like, I don't deserve this or I'm, I'm incapable. You brought that up. I think it's, a, it's too late for me. Yeah. I'm upper thirties. I didn't start early enough. Yeah. It's the story that I'm, I need to rewrite. So, but yeah, the same, same I just wanted to share that just in case some people are like, oh, well, I actually feel the opposite. It's actually the same fear is still the, at the yep. root of me. still yep. worth, still worthiness. Um, okay. So there's a few short questions that I like to ask everyone who comes on the show. The first one is if you could hug your younger self right now, what would you say? If I could hug my younger self right now, I would say you are powerful, sassy, funny, and you are never going to stop reaching your potential. Wonderful. If you could have the whole world read one book, which would it be? Holy shit. That's a hard one. Um, uh, One book, I would say The Untethered Soul by Mickey Singer. Yeah, that's actually the most recommended one on the show of all time. Uh, He lives in Gainesville, Florida, where Bryn and I met. Um, and I've seen him talk many times and it changed my life. So yes. If you could whisper one phrase to everyone on the planet, what would it be? Own your shit loud and proud. Love it. Before I let you go, where can people find you online? On on the IG at Danielle Gertner. Uh, You can also join my email list on my website, daniellegertner.com. Um, and I have a podcast of my own. I would love to share the Own Your Shit podcast. If you want to own your shit with me on the go, you can find me there as well. Amazing. Thank you so much. This was wonderful. Thank you so much. Apologies about the the Wi-Fi. <laughs> um, Costa Rica vibes. I'm living it up for a Vita lifestyle, but I really appreciate you so much for opening your community and your heart to to me. Yeah, thank you. I, I honestly, your answers were just pure gold, and I, I feel like I have a lot to, to work with just from this episode. So I know that I, I'm sure that the listeners are just so blessed by your wisdom. So thank you, thank you, thank you for sharing your heart. Appreciate. It. All right, you guys. I've been meaning to have her on for a long time, and oh, I can feel that it was perfect timing because so much of what she said um, is just really resonant for where I'm at right now. So a lot to sit with, a lot to work with. And um, yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts. I'd love to hear uh, what resonated for you and what you're going to do with the information as well. Um, You could hit me up on Instagram at untamed and unashamed, or you can uh, leave a review. Actually, it's 
at Untamed and Unashamed podcast, sorry. And then uh, you could also, the preferred method is if you could leave me a review, it would mean so much, guys. Everyone that leaves a review, I read it, it, it makes my day, but also it makes a big difference in me being able to book the guests that I really want to have on because they look and they look to see the quality of the podcast based off the reviews. And that's how they sometimes end up saying yes or no to the show. So I would love for you to take just a second to hit the five star you can write something if you'd like and then uh i will thank the affiliates so the last couple episodes i had were themed around gene keys and i am a gene keys affiliate if you want to sign up for any of their programs they have so many self-paced amazing programs that just will help you on your journey to self-mastery and to your genius and to your purpose and uh, the link that you can use is in the show notes, but I'll, re- I'll say it for you here. It's Gene Keys, G-E-N-E is how you spell Gene. So genekeys.com forward slash the dash dream dash arc, A-R-C, forward slash R-E-F forward slash 1707. If you use that link to sign up for any of their programs, I will get a little cut. So like we talked about in this episode, you can picture the money going out to someone and blessing their lives. You can picture me (laughs) because it will help me pay for my kids Montessori. And it's a way that I monetize this podcast as well. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for anyone who signs up. You will be greatly rewarded though, because all of their programs are just so amazing. And then the best toys for sex at dameproducts.com. Code Jade gets you 15% off. My favorite is the Air AER. It's a suction toy, also known as the clit sucker. So amazing. And I like to pair it with my pleasure wand or my yoni egg from wands.com. W-A-A-N-D-S.com. Code Jade for a discount there as well. Their products are also just really beautiful. Like it's not the typical sex toy. They're really pretty to have on your altar or on your, you know, bedside. And then all things infrared at higher dose infrared products code jade 75 for 75 dollars off they have saunas they have face masks all the stuff thank you guys so much for tuning in and being on this journey with me it would mean so much to me if you would leave that review or share this episode with a friend and again you can also join me on instagram at untamed and unashamed podcast as always be a light stay open and remember you belong here Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line 
prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast.